Only Jesus satisfies. What a truth. And it takes a long time for it to soak in. Uh, but it seemed from the very beginning that people were recognizing that Jesus was no ordinary guy. You don't get 20 verses into the Gospel of Mark, that book in the Bible. You don't get 20 verses into it that people, just ordinary people, in the synagogue that day, weren't recognizing that this was a different kind of person. He was no ordinary guy. And strangely enough, it wasn't his demonstration of the kingdom with miracles. That certainly would have impressed, don't you think? If, you know, if, if he's doing miracles, always thought that's what made Jesus stand out. But even before his miracles, people already recognized that he was no ordinary guy, not because of his demonstration of miracles, the kingdom with miracles, but because of his explanation of the kingdom by his teachings. The explanation of God's kingdom by his teachings. In fact, many of his teachings, I'm sure many of you already know. Uh, people don't even have to come to church much to be uh, aware of many of Jesus' teachings. They are so powerful, uh, so memorable, and often the way these teachings come to us uh, is in parable. That was kind of Jesus' breakthrough style, is that he would often teach, sometimes only in parables. In fact, uh, let's go one, one more slide. There it is. In, in this picture are 12 parables by uh, James Christensen there. 12 different parables. And I, I, don't, I don't know if you can... Uh, can you make any of them out? They're just, they're just pictured there. Let's see. Okay, there's an on switch there. And a red light, which doesn't work. Um, love technology, don't we? Uh, but, 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 you, but you can see them there in the picture. What's, what's the one on the top, on the crest? The shepherd, yeah, the, the 99 sheep that are lost, and he goes and he finds the one shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, all that kind of stuff. And then right next to him, you, can you tell what that guy's doing? Yeah, he, he's sowing the seed, right? And we're going to talk about that one this morning. That was a, a parable about how people are like different kinds of soil. It's amazing what Jesus got away with. I don't think I could get away with talking about what kind of dirt you guys are. But, but, but Jesus, Jesus pulled it off. Or what kind of dirt we are, I should say. And then right, right next to him, maybe that's the talent. See the guy given a full treasure and then another behind with a smaller treasure. And then some guy off to the left there having just dug up his one talent from the soil. Or over to the right, up at the very top, there's a house that's still standing because it's on the rock. And just behind it on the right, a house that it's in ruins because it was built on the sand. Do you see that one up there in the far right corner? Uh, what's this one down here at the left with all, all the ladies there? The, that's right, the ten bridesmaids. Uh, and that, that story's about being ready, you know, having your lamp ready when the, bride, when the bridegroom comes. So, so that, that's a, about readiness. And then you've got up there by the columns, you've got the... The pious Pharisee praying in order to be heard by men. And then next to him, the publican who's contrite of heart and humble and begging God for his mercy. And Jesus says, whose, whose prayer was heard that day? And God has a heart of hearing ear for the proud, but for the humble, he hears their prayers. And, and, and that's what Jesus was teaching. And just to the, to the, see that little gray building with a guy handing out bread through the window? Anybody remember that one? Jesus said, 
He who persists in prayer is like this guy who came knocking in the middle of the night. And though he was asleep, I guess you couldn't do the whole thing in darkness there. But, but it, it's kind of gray as if it's in the dark there. And then coming down this right-hand side, do you see the, the young man in the far country enjoying his ale and his high living and then in a pigsty and then back in the arms of his father? Does that ring any bells? The prodigal son, absolutely. Very good. They're, they're all over that page, right? Different ones. Now let's go back to the question for just a second. One slide. Which one of Jesus' parables do people most need to hear today? And, and now let's go back to the, to the, the... Yeah, there they are. That's just 12 of them. There's dozens more. But, but there's just 12. If you were going to pick one out that you think is still one that's got a... A message for today. Which, which one do you think it would be? All of them, maybe. Which, which one most stands out? That's our question of discussion for the morning. If you want to turn to somebody near you and talk about one that makes sense to you as one of those, that's great. Uh, we do this every Sunday for about three or four minutes just to kind of warm up to what we're talking about in the morning. Uh, if, if you didn't come with someone, feel free to join someone around you. Or if, if talking to other people who are strangers makes you uncomfortable and the guy next to you really looks scary, just do this. That's the universal sign for I don't want to talk. And we honor that in this place, okay? You're cool. Uh, so nobody's forced, but if you'd like to talk for the next three or four minutes, there's the question. Which one of these parables that you're looking at there is one that you think really ought to be heard today? Which one do you think? No right or wrong answer, just your opinion. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. Still makes sense to us. They, they really don't require a whole lot of translation. It's amazing how powerful Jesus' teachings are still now, uh, much less then when he was speaking into that contemporary situation. Let's just look at a couple of these parables. The first one, I want to look at is the parable of the sower and the soils. It's found in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Jesus, his great uh, uh, obsession was the kingdom of God. Now, before you get lost in how religious that sounds, the kingdom of God, I, I, just, I just want to dismantle a little bit what that term means, okay? The kingdom of God. Over and over again, when Jesus used parables, he often began by saying, the kingdom of God is like. And then he'd tell one of those stories. Well, is that an imaginary kingdom somewhere? Well, what is he talking about, the kingdom of God? Listen, a kingdom, by definition, is always a king and his people and how his reign makes it a realm. Right? So Jesus, with all of his parables, was trying to pull back the veil for us to help us understand who is the king, who is God, what's he like? What are people truly like? You think G Jesus knows what people are truly like? Oh my gosh. If you read many of his stories for very long, it's not long before you realize he's reading your mail. You know what I'm talking about? He, he understood people. He understood God, and he understood how this God, if he related to people, would change things. How it would be a different kind of realm, a different kind of community, a different kind of economy of relationship and everything else amongst us. He was trying to paint a picture of who God is, who we are, and what happens, what kind of community is created when, when we live in that relationship, when we honor that reign 
and let it work into our lives. Does that make sense? The kingdom of God is like. He wasn't talking about some imaginary place in some far-off wonderland. The kingdom of God, you know, like once long ago in a place far, far away. You know, it's not, not where he's going with that. He, he, he's, he's describing that that kingdom, and he often said it, the kingdom of God is at hand. It can break in right now, right here. This is an option for us in our present moment. If we recognize the king, honor his reign, and live as he calls us in his realm. Are you with me? So here's one of these first parables. Uh, chapter 4. And he began to teach again by the seashore, and such, such a very great crowd of multitude gathered around him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and all the multitude were by the seashore on the land. Talk about creating your own little amphitheater. That's pretty good improv, Jesus. And he was teaching. He was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And it came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, however, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they were yielding a crop and were producing 30, 60, some a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The beautiful thing about parables is they don't give up their treasures easily. See, In order to really get something out of a parable, you've got to really get into the parable. Parables don't give away their truths. They paint a picture of reality for you, and once you step into it, once you take it on, once you fill in the black and white with technicolor, then the truth jumps out at you. Parables let you discover truth for yourself. And that's why Jesus was so fond of telling them. He could tell a parable so that we could discover the truth, and you know, a truth that you yourself discover is almost always a truth that is easier to embrace. It's just natural to our human nature to resist anything that someone else tells us to do. Or is that just me? Jesus' teaching was beautiful and effective often because people would get into his stories, discover their truth, and already have a template for how to act. They would teach themselves as he taught them. Here it is. Every parable has, has a key, and, and, and once you kind of focus in on what things mean, it, it all becomes clear. Jesus is telling a parable about a sower sowing seed. It could have been that day as he sat out there in that agricultural environment. He was near Capernaum, sitting in a boat. Up behind Capernaum are just fields and fields going up the gentle slopes up towards Mount Hermon. And, and, and there are fields there where many sowers, perhaps even that day, Jesus might have pointed 
and said, a sower went out to sow his field. Everybody turns, and he just observes what's happening. And some of the seeds fell on the hard-trodden path. Now, the key to this one is this. Every one of these soils is a different kind of person. And the kind of person is determined by how we respond to the word that's sown. Jesus is teaching. So Jesus is telling a, a story about the sower and the seed and the soils, and everybody's off looking over there while he's talking about them. How sneaky. How clever. How ingenious. How nice. Not to point a finger. Not to call anybody out. Jesus invites them all into the story. And before it's over, he tells his disciples exactly what the soils are. They're different kinds of people in the way they respond to his word. And then all of a sudden, that technicolor picture starts speaking to you, right? He said, and some were like the soil of that well-trodden path. Can you picture it? Somebody had been walking on it. It had gotten tough. Maybe life had beaten it down. And, and, and that soil was such that it was braced against any kind of intrusion, any kind of penetration. It had its guard up, right? It, it was that hard-trodden soil. And, and the seed that fell on it, well, the birds came and they took it away. And Jesus says, and that's just how Satan functions. If, if you don't let it penetrate, he quickly comes and, and, and takes it away. It, it's forgotten. You're robbed of it. it. It never does its work. It never takes root. It never penetrates because it just sits on the surface. And sometimes we come by our seed, the seed that Jesus sows, sitting on the surface, honest. We've been walked on. We don't know who to trust. Right? Does he know people? Does he know people? My gosh. And he said, and some, some are like those that were sown among the rocky ground, the, the soil, and it's, it's, it's real shallow. And, and so it, it's warmed and, and, and it sprouts up quickly. You know, some people are like those that spout up quick, quickly. They hear the word and goes, gosh, that's neat. And they're an early an adopter and they don't measure stuff like that person that's been beat up does. And they, they jump right in and they get real enthusiastic. And, hey, this is fun. This is going to be great. This is going to look great in my business portfolio. I'm now a member of the church. And it all, it all seems to be coming together in their agenda until someday when the sun comes out and it's extra hot. And this time that shallow soil doesn't warm them, this time that shallow soil cooks them. And, and, and Jesus said they wither in the sun and they, they, they fall away. Some, some, people, some people are people who quit. They might start enthusiastically. It might sound really good. But as soon as there's some adversity, as soon as it gets tough, as soon as the the cost-to-benefit ratio tilts the other way. Right? Now, is he talking about soils? Or do you already have a name in your mind for that person? Do you already see in yourself that sometimes that person's you? And, and then sometimes the soils are not people who quit, but they're people who were compromised. He said some were thrown in a place where, where the thorns were coming up with it, right? Do you see a picture of, 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 of maybe the, 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 the wheat coming up with, with weeds and thorns and stuff like that around it? And, and, and it's not that the wheat's really uh, 
veered off course or, or the wheat's not responding to the, soil, you know, to the sun and all that kind of stuff. It's trying to grow. It, it's trying to do the right thing, but, but there's competition in the nearby neighborhood. There's relationships that aren't right. There's things that are compromised. Well, I'll do it God's way and I'll do it a little bit of my way too, right? And, and so there's a mixture. I'm not going to put all my bags and all my eggs in one basket. I, I'll give a few to Jesus, but I'll hedge my bets. And in this place now where we have to weigh and where we're not really following, but we're really trying to be the master of our own future, things absorb us, things distract us, things tempt us, things look like a good deal, and our minds aren't single-visioned, and we get compromised. We never really chose to. But it just kind of happens. Other desires, other priorities. Jesus calls it the, 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 the deceitfulness of riches and the worries of this world. Does he know people? And he, he knows me. And then he says, and some seed falls in the good soil. And when it falls in the good soil, it's that word that's accepted and nurtured and it grows and eventually it multiplies. It multiplies. It becomes fruitful. It becomes productive. It, it, it multiplies. It shares itself with others. It becomes uh, something that the sower in the beginning intended. Good soil. But it's not really soil. It's people. These are people responding to Christ's teaching. Look, look around. Look around you. Can you see it? Look around you in this world. Can you see those different kinds of responses? More importantly, now that you see into the parable... What might it be showing you about yourself that just moments ago you might not have been ready to hear? Jesus' teaching was not just brilliant. It was designed to lift us up, to call us to God, to call us into living in that kingdom. The kingdom of God is like. Sometimes people didn't get it. They assumed that God's kingdom ought to function the way their world functioned. They just assumed. I mean, that's natural. You take what you know and you project it on God. And, and when they looked at Jesus' life, he didn't fit in a box. Why is it this Jesus hangs out with sinners and tax collectors? Well, if you want to be a fine, reputable person, there's just some people you don't hang with. That's the way it works, is it not, in this world? But Jesus almost seems to want to communicate, yeah, but if, but if you understood the king and his heart, you'd live differently in his realm. And they were upset with Jesus, and they say, why, why does your teacher do this? And to that criticism, Jesus responds with three parables. And all of them have this same rhythm to it. Let's go into the next slide, number two, and put, put it all up there. 
all three of these parables. One is about a, a lost sheep, and another one is about a lost coin, and the third one is about a lost son. And in every one of these parables, something repeats. It's a pattern in every single one of them. A, a, a shepherd has, has sheep, but, but, but these sheep aren't just cattle. Shepherds have different kinds. of they, they, They're like pets, right? And so when one of them goes missing, the heart of the shepherd calls him out to find the one that's strayed. And everybody there, I mean, it was like, it was like mowing lawns today. You know, I remember when I was 13, uh, guys in the sixth grade would turn to one another and say, I guess that was when I was, don't do the math, you'll figure, but anyway, uh, you know, you turn to one another and say, yeah, I I do lawns, you know, it was kind of a, it was a rite of passage, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm more riding lawn more here, you know, and in those days, it wasn't, if if you grew up in a town, it was natural when you were coming up to, to take care of the sheep. And so almost every one of these guys could look back on their childhood and remember what it was like to have their little dozen sheep that they took care of. He's speaking their language. He's taking something that they understand and he's going to turn it in a new way so that they can understand God, reveal God. God. Jesus didn't just reveal the kingdom, he revealed also the king of that kingdom that makes that kingdom what it is. And they had fundamentally misunderstood the heart of God, that he was more concerned with how they looked than with how they were. And we're still hung up on that, aren't we? So the shepherd goes out and he finds the the sheep and he gathers it up in his arms and he comes back and he finds all his other shepherd buddies and he says, rejoice with me because my sheep that was lost is found. Let's throw a party. And of course, all the guys said, yeah, that's exactly what you do. You throw a party. It's great when you find the sheep that was lost because you thought that sheep was going to perish. But now that sheep hasn't perished and, 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 and little Fluffy has come back home. I don't know what they call those things. But, but that one that you knew by name and that you call by name out of the pen every day, that one has not been lost. That one is still precious to you, was always precious to you. In fact, you'll find this rhythm in every one of these stories, something of great value to the one to whom it belongs, has been lost. Number two, it warrants an all-out search. Number three, when it's found, (laughs) you can't hold back the party. Right? Now, these Pharisees were up for anything but a party. They, They thought, if you really know God, this should be your natural expression. You know people like that? I, I think after about 70 years, you're responsible for the shape of your face. You know what I'm talking about? You know, that attitude has just become ingrained by that point. And what is Jesus doing? He's, he's having fun with all these people. Religious people don't have fun. What's fun about it? No, you're not supposed to have fun. You're not supposed to have joy. And Jesus said, no, 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 you misunderstand the heart of the Father. He's all about joy. He's all about love. You misunderstand Him completely. In fact, if you really understood the heart of the Father, you would not be sitting here criticizing me for going and getting my brother. You would be joining me going and getting them. Because you're anticipating the party that gets set off when the Father's heart rejoices to receive one back home. He says a woman had a coin. And this isn't a quarter in your pocket. This is, a, this is like a stone on a ring. You know, you've got a, your ring. Any of you have a stone that you're wearing this morning? Okay, this coin is not just a coin any more than that stone is just a stone. 
that, that, that coin was a part of a dowry that she wore around her head. And to this day, you'll find coins in the East that, that have holes through the middle of them so they might be strung and worn as jewelry. And she has lost her coin. This has sentimental value. So no wonder, you know, this woman isn't crazy. It's not like she's turning the house upside down to find the quarter she lost in the sofa. That, that's not the picture. She has lost the rock. You got the picture now? She has lost the rock, and she's going to turn the house upside down until she finds it. Something of value to her has been lost. It warrants an all-out search. And when she finds it, she invites all of her maidens, all of her friends, all of the other ladies in the neighborhood over for brunch, and they celebrate that she has found her coin. And all the girls go, oh, yes, 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 that's just what we do. That's just like us. You know, they, they, they go, yeah, of course, of course that's what's going on. But Jesus is about to turn this whole thing around and paint it as a picture of God. A God that they do not anticipate whatsoever. In their mind, God is a rule giver and a rule keeper and a, and a justice exactor. But they've missed this huge part of God. He is just because he is love. Love has integrity. It matters what's right. But when you lead with that, it's often misunderstood completely. And then Jesus tells a story about a son. A son that's lost, not by carelessness like a sheep, and not by or foolishness like a sheep, and not like carelessness by, but like the coin, but this son is lost out of willfulness. Know some people that are strays because of their willfulness? Ever been one of those strays? And see, they're, they're anticipating the story working out like this. Someone who degrades their family name that goes to their father and is almost says, I wish you were dead. Can I have my inheritance now? And he takes his inheritance and he goes to a far country and he spends it on wild living and hooping, you know, just having a great time. And then all of a sudden all the money spent, he has nothing left. And he finds himself in a pig pen wishing that he could eat the slop that he's feeding to the pigs. And he comes to himself. There's an aha moment. This is not what I was seeking. This is not that. And, and in that moment, he remembers his father and how even his father's servants are treated better, eat better than this. And he says, well, well, that's it. I'll go and I'll beg to be taken back and to be my dad's slave because I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. And, and the people are saying, yeah, that's exactly how it works down here. In fact, Moses told us that if someone does that to the family name, when they come back to town, in order to make it an example for the whole community, you stone that son so all the other sons know better how to behave. So they're waiting as he returns home for him not to be made a servant, but for him to become part of the soil. And Jesus says he goes home rehearsing his little speech. And the father sees him from afar. As if that's a figure he's been looking for on the horizon. You know, even when we willfully reject God. This is the position that we've put the father in. Waiting for us to come to our senses and to turn towards love, to turn towards home. In heaven there's a party throne when even one repents. That word means to turn towards home, to turn yourself around. And Jesus tells this story to illustrate what repentance means. This son turns towards home. 
turns towards his father. And as he's coming home with, with all his confession and all his repentance and, and all his contrition and, and his deal to somehow wiggle out of this something that he can live with, the father sees him, runs to him, forgets his own dignity, embraces his son, embraces his son. No, he stands at a distance and he says, how could you have done this to me, to me my son? Now, community, pick up a stone and let's show him how it works. And yet most people stay far, far away from God because they feel like if ever they came home, that's the reception they'd get. And Jesus says, you do not understand the heart of my father. He runs to him and he wraps his son in his arms. If you're going to take this son out with a rock, you're going to have to pelt him through his father somehow. You're going to have to take his dad out first. And that's exactly... What happened on the cross? He laid down his life in our place that he might reclaim us and call us back to himself. This is our God. This is our Father. Do you want to live in a realm with a king like that? But then there's a fourth point. What, 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 what culture does this not translate? How about the next one? Or the next one. Or the next. What culture does that not translate? And that's the picture of our God's heart for all people. And so Jesus closes that last story with a new element. It's an elder brother. who's jealous because he's been at home the whole time and now his father is throwing this this party out of his inheritance that would be coming to him for this wayward son that's already taken his share and gone off and spoiled it. He says, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. I've been faithful to you all this time and, and you've never thrown a party for me. It's not like that father wouldn't have. But that's all this son can see. Because all this son can see is how he compares to someone else. But the Son of God, standing before them, telling the story, is so overwhelmed by the Father's heart that it informs everything He does. And anticipating the party that's going to go off in heaven as soon as one of these other brothers turns to Him, He can't wait. He can't wait for His brother to get home. He's got to go help him home. There's another way to do this. I've got to work really quickly here. Jesus told us parables that help us understand God. People, Jesus told parables that help us understand ourselves. But, but he also told parables that pointed straight to him. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. If you do not, if you do not eat of my flesh, then you have no part of me. If you do not let me wash you, Peter, then you you have no part of me. The the, the thing that was different about Jesus, I think, that day in Capernaum when he was teaching, and he didn't teach as the scribes, but as one as authority, was fundamentally this. Jesus' teaching always pointed his students back to him. There is no teacher worth his salt that ever does that. Every teacher points those that he's teaching to some principle bigger than himself, right? Right? 
That's the humility that makes a, a teacher great if he's an ordinary man. He points to something or she points to something that's beyond herself, that's bigger than she is. But this is Jesus, the Son of God. See? He is that to which all that could be taught points. Do you understand? He, he, he will not teach that way because it would be untrue to himself. He teaches as a man with a different kind of authority because he's not one pointing to the principle. He's the one that wrote it. He's the one for which it exists. Do you know why in the Ten Commandments it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery? Was it just crowd control in the day? They thought it would settle people down if they had a rule like that? No. The reason that that is the law is because God is faithful. And because God is faithful, that is the truth that comes from that. Jesus is that truth that stands behind any law that we can understand, any principle that our mind can conceive. It's all rooted in Him. So Christ calls us to trust Him until we understand everything else. And that's why Peter, that night when everything was confusion and the wind was whipping and the, the waves were tossing the boat and they wondered whether or not they were going to survive, and they saw a figure on the water. Peter doesn't say, Jesus, what principles should I apply at this point to my life? Because see, if, if it's all just a matter of principles that then we go and apply, then God coming along for the journey is not really necessary. But Jesus knows there's always going to be so much that we don't understand. And so he points to the principles, and those principles point to him. And Peter, that night, got it. He sees Jesus walking on water. Do you think he understood that? He sees Jesus walking on the water in the midst of that storm, and this is what he asks. He has his eyes focused on Jesus, and he says, Lord, if it's you, call me out on the water. It's so critical you get this. Lord, if it's you. He didn't trust the water. He didn't trust him against the storm. Lord, if it's you. And he stepped out and he walked on water until his eyes were distracted from their fix on Christ. And he looked at the waves that opposed him and the complete insensibility of what he was being called to do. And he started to sink. All Jesus' teaching points us to Jesus. And if it didn't, it would be we who are cheated. What is your name, sir? Who are you? The name is Mendelssohn. Felix Mendelssohn. It makes all the difference who it is who's calling you to follow him in his way. Do you hear him calling? Do you hear him this morning say, I can make of you good soil. I want to give you a relationship with the Father, not as you've presumed it, 
but as I can relate it. Why would we trust Him like that? Whenever Jesus pointed to Himself and people understood that He was claiming to be the Son of God, there were one of two responses. And there are really only two rational responses. One is to stone Him because He's insane and He's a blasphemer. And the other is to surrender to Him because He is who He says He is. What do you think? Do you pick up a stone? Or do you take a knee? Lord, if it's you, I can stay in this storm. Lord, if it's you, I can walk on this water. Lord, if it's you, even though I don't understand it, even though it makes no sense to me, I follow you and I trust you to help it make sense. Are you tired of trying to figure it out for yourself? This morning, I invite you to this altar to trust Him. Don't leave here regretting that the Master could have played His music in your life and you passed on the offer. If that's your decision, make this your altar and invite the music in as we stand and sing.